Hello, everyone, and welcome to Going for the Green Daily Roto's PGA Daily Fantasy Show. I am Davis Maddock, joined by Colin Drew this week. We are talking about the Valero Texas Open uh, being played at a different time on the PGA schedule than normal. I believe the Shell Open was normally played uh, the week before the Masters on the previous PGA Tour schedule. Yeah, a lot of changes to the PGA Tour schedule this year. Um, it, it doesn't change, obviously, the, the course. It can change a little bit if the weather is a much different climate. Um, but it definitely impacts the field. And that's one of the first things that I noticed about this event was that the field is, is definitely weak, especially up top. Ricky Fowler headlining it uh, chose to skip the match play last week, I guess, in favor of a stroke play tune-up. But obviously, for a lot of the guys, especially the guys who played a ton of golf last weekend, it's just tough between that that and traveling and then going to Augusta to get ready. So we're kind of left with a field of guys who are either lower down the rankings or trying to sneak into the Masters at the last possible second with a win. Yeah, I mean, we have Jordan Spieth as the fourth most expensive golfer this week. Of course, not a value on the data golf projections. Uh, quick WGC recap. All my lineups followed the right rules. Max one pod, uh, minimum one from each quadrant. Uh, I still didn't get rich, Truby. I followed the rules, and I still did not get rich at the WGC match play. It, it was fun seeing people like who were shocked at how few six of six lineups there were i think i told you when and we talked a bit on the podcast but when you're running the optimals it's just guys even the favorites are so unlikely to advance out of the group that your odds of getting a six of six are extremely low i think i had it calculated around 100 on average would get it i think around 30 got it through so um i know there was a lot of back and forth i do think that the way you built lineups was the the correct way i think some people took it a step further going for the perfect bracket just felt like that wasn't necessary and that you're sacrificing a little bit of equity. Um, it was, I, in the end, it was just an, another year where it was um, a pretty good opening round and some interesting matchups early. But by the time the, the finals and the final four rolled around, I had kind of lost my DFS interest because my lineups were dead and uh, the matchups themselves weren't compelling enough to get me to, to tune in. Um, obviously, I, did, I, didn't watch, I didn't watch a shot on the weekend. Didn't get yeah. I mean, Tiger making a little bit of a run was was nice to see. Uh, like when he hold out for Eagle in the matchup against Canlay, that was pretty amazing. And that, to me, that was kind of the highlight of the event was was Tiger and, and Rory. You now you had the the Kuchar and Sergio drama. I had a, a decent amount of Sergio, so I wish wish he would have got that putt. But I don't know. I, we don't have to get too much into that. I feel like there's a lot to do about nothing um, there um, and. Obviously, they're just trying to cover it up on social media with their apologies and whatnot now. So hopefully we get a Ryder Cup matchup between those two at some point down the road. I feel like something that I messed up last week was I didn't really try and take a huge stance on anyone. Like I wasn't super, I think the only guy I was overweight on was Rory. Uh, Rory and, and Benny Ann and Hao Tong were the only ones. But I, I, I ended up with a lot of guys in my pool, which I think when I do this next year, I'm going to not do because the, the format is so filled with variants anyways. I think I would rather just embrace that variance more by like deciding on a couple cheap guys who I think are live in their group and a couple favorites who I like more than like the betting markets are more than the field and just trying to limit the player pool a little bit. Yeah, I definitely spread myself. Um, I don't know if it was too thin, but I definitely took a similar approach. It was a little more shotgun. Uh, and for, I mean, for a while, it looked like it was going to work out well. I know Hao Tung was a, a big uh, value pick that was 
substantially overweight the field on. But uh, yeah, in the end, it, it ended up being a week where I didn't make money. Um, the variance as far as the player performance is definitely higher than a traditional field. I don't know if that necessarily means that uh, the variance is, is higher in just like the, the top heavy DraftKings GPPs are always going to be high variance no matter what. Um, but it was definitely a, a plus EV week to play. There were some lineups that were dead. Um, so in general, I thought it was a fun format to think through, a fun problem to try to solve. It was, and I it was there definitely were... more fun to think through than it was to play for me. Yeah. I had more so, fun building the lineups on Tuesday than I did sweating on Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah, this will be the opposite. Uh, not as fun of an event. It's definitely, uh, you got sandwiched between match play, which was fun to think about, and then the Masters. So uh, the one thing I, I did wanted to get your thoughts on, I probably won't put much weight, if any, into what happened at the match play. It's too hard to tease out kind of what guys did poorly because they played poorly versus they ran into a hot opponent. And then you have the kind of the strokes gain metrics are all over the map just because there are so many gimmies and things like that. And guys taking shots, they wouldn't otherwise because they have to try to chip it in or whatnot. So I'm probably going to junk the WGC data altogether. Uh, the one thing I will be doing, and this is bad because I bet he's pretty high projected owned in the version one ownership projections. I will definitely be playing, uh, Danish Lucas. Uh, I, I just like, he's kind of a guy I've liked for a while anyways. So after that really strong performance at the match play, I, I think that I will be pretty in on, uh, on Lucas Bearsyard, even though he is 9k. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be that high. I think it's like 10% or so in the first round, but it's, it's I mean, early that's in the week. I mean, that's too high for uh, 9K, Lucas Berejard. Like, it just, like, if he is double digits, that's too high based off whatever his projection would be. I'm, I'm certain of that. Yeah. So let's talk a, a little bit about the Masters. If you want to tee it up with Daily Roto for the Masters, you can save 10% on PGA DFS access with the promo SWEAT. We'll also be putting our money on the line at Augusta on behalf of our subscribers entering $3,000 in the DraftKings Millionaire Maker and bringing our subscribers along for the free roll. We'll announce the winners of the sweat promotion and the drawing on next week's Masters Fantasy Breakdown. And for the Masters, we'll have tons of content. We'll have a fantasy golf projections and optimizer access, ownership projections, betting tools for outrights, head-to-head, top 20, and more. We'll have showdown covered, weekend golf projections covered. I'll be producing a strokes gain course fit breakdown. And then we'll also have our weekly PGA pro tips. So there is a ton of stuff going on for the masters uh, on the website. And if you want to get involved, you can save 10% with the promo sweat. And then why don't you talk a little bit about the upcoming pod schedule? So we are definitely going to have a first look at the Masters coming out for you guys the next couple of days. We will have uh, a three-man pod for the Masters. I, I'm assuming that Drew will be joining us. Uh, you know, we obviously have this uh, Valero one, but the, the one you'll really want is the deep dive coming out on Monday where we're going to go super deep into the data golf projections. We're going to look at all the guys in the field and try and make some pretty helpful calls for uh winning some dfs dollars at the the masters yeah so it should be fun tune in later this week for the first look we'll go through some outright betting uh using the betting tools and just talk about the the course in the field in general uh this week it is it's a it's a hard course so i guess you have that for the tune-up as far as the quality of course par 72 at just above 7400 yards 12th hardest on tour last year relative to par 13th hardest last year relative to DraftKings scoring. So placement points are going to matter as far as separating your lineups in tournaments and in cash games. And then the course was 18th in par adjusted distance, 
as well as the 18th narrowest fairways. It's it's pretty consistent course what we got here. Uh, I will say probably one of the biggest things this week is that the weather really impacts this tournament, just the way that it's constructed, the location that it's at. Uh, This was, I believe, the event where – uh, I think it was two years ago, there was like a two and a half stroke difference from the AM to the PM wave. So it is sort of hard to make super definitive takes right now without looking at the weather. Yeah, and in the showdown optimizers that we have, you'll be able to adjust the waves if you want. Uh, in the main field one, we don't have that feature on there yet. So you'll have to make some manual bumps. Um, in, in general, I think it's a fairly neutral course relative to fit. I think there's a slight over index to around the green play away from putting. Um, But in general, it didn't seem like it profiles as a course that favors bombers or takes the driver out of your hand. Uh, Matt Kuchar has made the cut every year that he's played here. But then if you go through Data Golf's historic event index, you got guys like Ryan Moore, Brant Snedeker, Charlie Hoffman, Jordan Spieth, Martin Laird, Jim Furyk not really consistent profiles as far as the players that have done well here. Uh, and even when you get down deeper to guys like Kevin Chappell, Ryan Palmer, Zach Johnson. Um, so I think course fit is um, fairly minor this week for me, as far as a consideration. Mm, I'm taking bombers this week just cause uh, I want to have fun. And all my, all my favorite guys are like, I think a little bit underpriced, like they're all pretty good values on data golf. So not necessarily that it's like a, a course fit thing. I just think that guys with that skill set that I like are already a little bit underpriced and make sense as like roster building blocks this week. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's, that's my, that's my aunt. That's my first anti-data take of the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fair. There's, um, I'd, I'd say there's a little bit of separation at the top uh, as far as the field. And uh, then there's not a huge degree of separation in the, the value range. So uh, you're talking about a couple percentage difference between T20 odds for a lot of these golfers. So I do think that um, if you want to lean on any personal biases, it's definitely a better week to do that than most where there might be some more standout values. You heard it here. This is the week I'm winning the DTG finally with uh, with personal biases. Getting into the player pool, five guys over 10,000. Ricky Fowler, Matt Kuchar, Bad Jordan, and Sung J.M. A very impressive and very random top five most expensive golfers. Like at, Tony Finau. You skipped over Tony. Oh, yeah, and, and Finau. I just was so excited to get to the fact that Jordan Spieth is somehow 10.3 at this golf course. Like, I just I, – I don't – there's not an amount of boost you could use in the daily roto optimizer to get him into a lineup. Yeah. I, I mean, playing Spieth hasn't produced a good return in uh, quite some time, almost a year. Right. Um, so I, I, I understand why he's priced there. I think the, obviously the betting markets drive a lot of this. The betting markets still give Spieth a, a little bit of credit. Um, it, the head to head markets don't necessarily. So that'll be the interesting thing when head to head markets come out and you see that like Ryan Moore is favored over speed. That'll be pretty telling. I, the outrights, I think they just keep pumping the prices up. People still probably fire a little bit on speed just because of name recognition. And that's why his price is staying up in DraftKings. Um, no speed for me this week. I don't think the ownership will get to a point where it even becomes remotely compelling. Uh, I'm fine to wait for him to show anything uh, before hopping back on board and it'll just, it'll be interesting. I hope he has like a, a mediocre finish that flashes like just enough that his ownership goes through the roof at the masters. 
Uh, that would probably be the best result for us. I, I hope that he like gets like T15, but I hope that it's with like a 63 on Sunday. Like I hope he kind of just like grinds it out for the week and then just goes super low to like get onto like the, the leaderboard, like the second page of the leaderboard uh, of the, of the broadcast on Sunday. And they, and they like, while, you know, while list is winning the tournament, they show a highlight of like Jordan, like chipping in for Eagle or something. <laughs> if, if Spieth goes low on Sunday, that would spike the master's ownership. I, or if he does something like 12 strokes gain T to green, but loses like five putting or something like that. Uh, then, I mean, it's just, it's going to take basically nothing to vault his ownership next week. And the only thing that is going to keep it in check is if he like ejects and misses the cut and is a disaster all around. So any, any semi good result from Jordan this week puts him at like 15% at Augusta, I think. Yeah. So 24% to T20 and data golf sides. Hopefully that 24% comes through and we can get a little a boost for Augusta. So we were talking about this in the daily Roto PGA slack, but my first look and, and uh, run through the optimizer, I, I honestly, I just want to fade Ricky. And my reasoning was sort of backed by data and sort of just like hot takes, but basically, you know, I don't think Fowler is in the class of like, you know, uh, DJ Rory, Rose, um, De- even, even Jason day. Like I think that there's a, a decent amount of variance in his game where if he has like his B plus game and not his a game and he get like, I think like a T 16 is like sort of a, a reasonable thing that could happen to Ricky Fowler here, even though he is easily the best golfer in the field. And I, I kind of think that it makes sense to not play him this week. What do you think about that? Um, how many teams are you talking like, uh, I mean, I'll probably do 40 in the drive the green and 150 in the mini max. Yeah. 150. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be more likely to use him in the 150, whereas, uh, not using him in the 40. Yeah. I think like a, a fade across 150 set seems like a little bit aggressive. Um, he is one of the favorites in the field along with Finau. Uh, I do agree that his price is too expensive. Uh, generally, this, isn't, so, this is not DJ at the Canadian open. Right. And He's like 50% to T20 roughly. And I think DJ, we're talking like 65%. Maybe in that event, he was like 70. Um, but I also don't think the ownership is going to get up to the same level that it did with with DJ. I don't think we're necessarily going to be looking at a 30 or 35% owned Fowler. Um, I, I think if he's, you know, 20 to 25, like I'm fine kind of pl- in MME, I'd be fine kind of playing the market and, I don't feel like he's a strong enough value relative to the field that I have to get overweight on him, but I wouldn't necessarily be comfortable with a full fade. As far as a single entry, um, I, I agree that considering a fade at that level makes sense. I think that Finau outright is my favorite play in this entire range relative to the price and ownership projection and the just the value that he provides. Yeah, I'll, I will be... I will be overweight Finau and probably even overweight Sungjae. Uh, I, I'm just so impressed with Sungjae. He he honestly just brings it every week. Like this, like he's played like 16 weeks in a row and just like honestly never seems to get a bad result. Uh, never seems to just play super bad. I, I I will definitely like even though it seems like 10.1 seems like a lot for him, but uh, I, I'm definitely in on him this week. Yeah, um, it, it'll be an ownership decision for me. Uh, I don't think he's an exceptional value. I think he'll carry some ownership, um, kind of like the, the guys below him as much. Uh, I feel like people will put maybe too much weight on the Corrales finish. He does have some other good finishes, obviously, at the Valspar and Arnold Palmer. 
but that's also sandwiched around some mediocre finishes at the players, the Honda, Genesis, AT&T. So. T7 at the waste management, all, all four rounds under 70. Yeah, no, so, no I mean, that was a good one. And then he missed the cut twice and finished 50th. So I don't think that he's, he's a lock at the price. but No, he's the, not a lock. Um, but I, the point is, like, I mean, the point stands that there's, you're not paying for speed there, and you got to allocate salary cap somewhere. Uh, slight preference for Billy Horschel myself, but they project similarly. I, I think I'd rather get down um, it, you know, and, and spend on Finau for a fraction of the, you know, only $700 more in cap space, but a much higher projection, and then find other areas to kind of allocate the rest of my money. Kokrak, Glover, Benny, and Lucas are the names that I'm drawn to. Like, I think getting a pretty even spread on all of those guys seems like a strategy that I'm likely to follow this week. And there are, like, some very easy fades for me in the 8K range as well. Yeah, the, this Kokrak is something else. I kind of been waiting for, like, the wheels to fall off, um, but still I end up playing him a little bit because he projects well. And for the most part, it's... It's come through. I, I feel like the wheels will fall off eventually, but I'm not sure if it'll be this week in this field. Uh, like I said, I, I think I like Billy Horschel um, slightly more than, than Kokrak, despite the projection. I think I like, uh, yeah, I mean, all these names are guys that you have a little bit of gun shy at the price, uh, like Kokrak, Glover, Ben on could all easily have extremely poor putting performances if the conditions are tough. Um, I think Ryan Moore in the 9K range is a decent leverage play as well. He de- definitely is out of sorts as far as where his price is compared to some of these guys, but I have him projected for like 5 or 6% ownership. So in large field tournaments, I could see that being a guy I end up overweight on. Yeah, I, I'm, and I just definitely know I will be overweight, Benny. Maybe I won't be overweight Kokrak, though. Like if he just ends up being super chalk, I think I would probably um, – I think I would just like rather play uh, – I would rather play Glover. Yeah. So, yeah, I bet, I bet I'll have a good amount of each of those guys that you mentioned, though. Um, I don't think there's a, a guy that stands out enough that I want to get, like, 3x the field or anything. Yeah. Who are some of your favorite guys from the 8K range? Um, so, I mean, I think the the obvious one is Luke List. Uh, probably $1,000 too cheap in this field. The ownership will come it's, I don't know if it's going to come like 15% or if it's going to come like 25% by the time the week rolls around. Uh, but I mean, I think he's easily the, the best value uh, in this range and definitely fits with any of the different roster builds at the 8K price tag. You can fit him with Fowler if you want, or you could fit him with a, a balanced build where he's like your third or fourth expensive golfer. Uh, I mean, what percentage would List have to get to to be like bad chalk? Mm. I mean, I think it, it, so as far as like an outright fade, I think it has to get close to 30. Um, I think at 25, he starts to become like a, a much less exciting play and, and doesn't offer that much leverage anymore. And I think at 15%, he's a, he's a great playing tournaments. Um, yeah. so yeah, there, I mean, there are some other guys here that I like, though. Hao Tong definitely will be in my pool this week. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on on Juiced Loughton. Uh, he seems to be like a he, he's like a plus EV outright from Data Golf, and he seems like you know he is pretty good around the greens. And I, I think he's probably only playing as like a Masters tune-up. 
yeah, I, I definitely like him. Uh, I, I trust Data Golf's ability to adjust in way for European tour players more than I do anything else. And so I think that, uh, yeah, like Houston, Houtong, I think both project really well. I am curious if Houtong perhaps is a little bit lower owned just because he's not going to pop in the strokes gain models in the same way that use would. Um, so I guess if I had to choose one between those two for a single entry, I think I'd have a slight lean towards Houtong, but uh, I like both those guys and it does seem like a range that at least right now is going to carry a little bit lower ownership. Uh, another guy who's interesting in this range is JB Holmes, who has like, he has like a relatively good uh, pedigree. And I believe he plays well at these Texas courses as well. There's a, there's an anti-data take for you. But if I'm, if I'm going with guys who are long off the tee this week, he would be a good way to just get another guy who's long off the tee in there. Yeah. To, JB to me is always an interesting tournament play. And he's a guy that it can be very erratic. Um, he can also go very low and be in the first round, re- first round leader conversation. Uh, I- I'd be happy to play him at low ownership. Um, I think list is clearly a better play, but it, it might be so obvious that the ownership ends up uh, very disproportionate and JB at low ownership would be a contrarian target. Um, it's hard sometimes for these guys at 8K range just to, to fall completely low owned. So I don't necessarily trust the original ownership projection there, but it'll be interesting. Do you have any other strong takes on the 8K range? Uh, not really. I think with a single entry, one of the things I'll struggle with is whether I want to pay up for now or Fowler or go with a balanced contrarian build. If I do go with like the balanced contrarian build, then I think uh, it's a range where I'd want to grab maybe two guys um, and pair them up with like a 9K guy and still have some decent um, salary cap to spread around. But yeah, no real strong takes. I think p- pivoting down, I think um, I don't play him often, but I feel like Daniel Berger actually is going to yeah, be. Yeah, he's pretty guy strong. He's pretty strong this week. Yeah. <clears throat> so it, he's, he's another one of those guys where if the ownership ends up being high, Sometimes a struggle, but uh, just from a long-term scale perspective, he he feels like uh, he's a little bit underpriced in this field. Yeah, uh, a guy that uh, the uh, the Slack chat has been writing hard, Justin Harding. Uh, I believe that uh, he's playing this week to ensure that he gets his spot in the Masters field because he needs to stay above, I think, 60th in the world to or 70th in the world to ensure his Masters invite. Oh, is that right? Uh, that's a good, that's a good data nugget there. Is that a Skynet data nugget? That's a Skynet data nugget confirmed. What does he have to do? Just like show up? I I believe, I mean, I think like, I think he's probably in, but like making a cut here would give him like a little bit of insurance. Yeah. Well, Nelson's a sharp guy. If if he's a big Harding fan. uh, Oh, he is. He is the biggest Harding fan. Loves (laughs) the dude. Uh, There, there are some other names in here who are like sort of interesting to me. Uh, Sung Kang will not be playing Joaquin Neiman. Um, Austin Cook. Actually, I was looking at this for the first time. Joel Damon is not good off the tee, which like is sort of surprising to me. I I was like looking at some of his strokes gain numbers and his driving distance. That, That was surprising to me that your boy Joel Damon does not have a super strong off the tee game uh in in what context he's 125th in driving distance that just seemed surprising to me 
Are we, are we touting driving distance on going for the green with Daily Roto? I will tell, I will tell driving distance on all formats at all Joel, times. Joel Damon is seventh in this field in strokes gained off the tee, uh, 22nd in strokes gained approach. How do you, I, this is a serious question, a learning, how do you gain that many strokes off the tee not driving the ball far? Well, so, I mean, the driving distance is a skewed stat generally, right? Uh, it's only on a select number of drives. And then if guys are playing different courses, um, like if somebody always played a Pete Dye course where you had to hit your shots to 275 around a dog leg or whatever, they're not going to be able to have strong driving distance. So there's some of that stuff at play. And then there's just finding a, a fairways at a much higher rate, which will give him a decent strokes gain up the metric, but also just the weakness of the field in general. So I'm definitely not out here saying that like Joel Naiman is Dustin Johnson or anything, but as far as gaining strokes off the tee, yeah, there are multiple ways to do it. And it seems like he excels at that relative to this field. I do think he'll be one of the chalkier options, but I don't see any reason to penalize him from a course fit perspective, especially when you're looking at some of the other guys that are in this range. Yeah. Um, another guy down here who I think will generate some ownership is right next to him. Trey Mullinax, I think will probably end up getting a little bit of ownership in this range. Yeah, I could I could see a little bit of that. Um, I like like Bud Colley for the same price too. Uh, the the 7.5 range ends up grabbing ownership in general. Uh, it doesn't see, besides uh, Joel, who I think is going to stand out in our content. I think he'll stand out on Fantasy National. Um, besides him, I don't think that there are uh, extremely clear misprices. Uh, so. I think that the ownership will be at least a little bit distributed. Um, I know Dylan Fratelli, another one of the guys who plays a lot on the European tour, also projects pretty well for us. And it's definitely uh, an event where I'm happy to to lean on data golf's ability to adjust for core strength. And uh, not not the best showing for him last week at Corrales, but I think it was a decent one, all things considered. So you think that there is actually some value this week in like legit punts, like guys who are below 7K? Yeah, I think for a lot of times we dismiss this range, and I do think that there is some value below. One of the the first thresholds I use to try to narrow down my player pool is the 15, um, the top 20 odds in guys with 15 or 20% T20 odds. And below 7K this week, we actually have a few options. And some of these options really don't project that much worse than guys who are in the high $7,000 range. So uh, I think it's a week where if you wanted to leave salary on the table, it's a pretty easy thing to do in tournaments. And then just in general, I think that the fact that these guys aren't that much uh, different as far as values than some of the more expensive guys uh, means that you can kind of pay up for some of the top end guys. So um, like guys like Kevin Tway, CT Pan, your boy, Adam Shank, like all these guys are on my radar with, 18% T20 odds. And uh, to me, that means they're underpriced relative to the rest of the field. Well, and that would make sense in a weaker field event, like because DraftKings pricing, it's not like it's the most accurate thing in the world, DraftKings PGA DFS pricing. And it's not like there's a huge difference in between like the way DraftKings is doing things between a $7,300 golfer and a $6,700 golfer. So when those, when those, um, disparity of odds in terms of making the cut are different on data golf. It, it like seems like a huge value, even if it's not a huge value from DraftKings end. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And I think uh, like Harold Varner, I think stands out as a really good value. Uh, Sam Ryder. I mean, I wonder if he even gets overlooked just because you have to scroll so far down the player pool to find him at 6,300. 
Uh, but he's an extremely good value relative to not just data golf's odds, but his his betting odds to top 20s. So at 6,300, um, I mean, just having someone there who's very live to make the cut does a ton for salary. And it feels like a week where I will be dipping further into the player pool. I'll tell you this. I will be touting Sam Ryder at 150 to one on the FanDuel hurry up this week. Is, is he, he's the guy he made, he made the sheet over Adam Shank this week, man. Yeah. What, Adam Shank, he, he couldn't pull it through for you in Corrales. Yeah, he, did, he, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't win in Corrales, so you know he's he's down the board a little bit. Also, uh, we didn't even talk about him, but a weird thing was Denny McCarthy was like the stone chalk at Corrales and is like eighty one hundred this week, which seemed weird to me. Normally, even in these fields, he's like seventy four hundred. Yeah, Sam Ryder actually, I should probably bet him outright right now. Two fifty to one is an extremely big price on him. And you can get that at my bookie, um, Bovada or bet 365 sports book at just 160. Data golf obviously has him at 125 to one. So curious to see what FanDuel pops up with the price, but I uh, definitely agree that a sprinkle on Sam Ryder outright seems like a pretty good proposition. This is actually a good, maybe even a better week for betting than for DK, because there are there are some prices that I super love. Uh, list at forty to one, forty five to one, fifty to one, depending on your book. How Tong in a similar price range, and I think Benny Ann is like twenty eight to one. All of those are are bets that I really like this week. Yeah, I think Data Golf has the Benny Ann one as a, a losing proposition, but not not so That's bad. That's never so. stopped me before. It's in the it's in the wheelhouse where it's not it's not so egregious that you can't fire at it. Um, I mean, it's always a better week to play DFS if we're being perfectly honest. Because well, yeah, other other donkeys. Yeah, but if you're you know if you're trying to not go crazy before the Masters, I, I can see I can see taking a little bit of extra fun and uh, betting this week and maybe curtailing back the DK exposure. Yeah, Bo Hausler. I've never seen him pop in anything Data Golf's ever done. They actually have him as a plus EV bet on my book. They have him as a value on DK as well. 160 to one. So yeah, the Texas boy, maybe. Maybe these are, they're definitely, uh, they're fun names to bet. I guess if you're going to, uh, and they even got Finau in there as plus EV. So you can take a, a top end guy if you want. Hopefully able to get a long shot sweat in with. Finau, Finau, List, Benny, Tong. That is a sick card. That's just a fun card to take to the weekend. It's definitely a fun card. Yeah. Um, one and done thoughts. Who do you have this week? Yeah, I was just going to head over to Gup's Corner, one and done. Um, I need to check out the latest standings. So last week I went with Rose, Sergio, and Poulter on my three entries. The, the two ones that were doing best in the one and done had Rose and Sergio. So the whole uh, Kucher gimme debacle was uh, penal for my my one and done teams not great i i think i want to use someone bad this week just because i i just don't so that's basically everyone in the field <laughs> yeah but i'm saying like i don't want to use ricky i don't want to use fee now maybe maybe i'll use speeth maybe because it's not like i'm ever ever gonna use speeth maybe i'll just use speeth that, that would be uh i mean I, at this point, I'm just tilting because I started out so hot, missed missed a win when I didn't click save. Like I am, I am officially tilting the Gups Corner one and done. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty obvious that if you're trying to play straight up, um, I mean Fowler and Finau Frankie are the best. Finau, yeah, 
like they're definitely the best options. You're not going to get them that this big of a price as far as the betting markets and any of the events this year. Um, and the, the field's so weak that it's hard to find someone that you love below that. I mean, generally when we talk about the one and done stuff, depending on what leagues you're in, but I mean, you're not going to use more than 40 golfers over the course of the year. So you're not trying to go outside of the top 40 in the world. And a lot of the other guys in this field kind of fit that criteria. Um, so I think Finau and Fowler, if you're live for either the segment or the overall contest are definitely good values along with, along with Kuchar. I don't know what to make of the amount of golf Kuchar played last week. It feels like it, it should matter at least a little bit. Um, and he's definitely overpriced in DK, but it doesn't take him out of consideration for the the one and done stuff. And there are a lot of people that did use uh, Kuchar for his win earlier in the year. So I think there's some lineups that structurally can't use him. Um, beyond that, I think I would be looking um, to potentially a guy like Billy Horschel, uh, Jason Kokrak, and you're not getting super excited about those names either. And I guess the, the other kind of contrarian option would be to use one of the European tour players that you're definitely. Yeah. You use, use juice to this week. So. I kind of, I kind of like that. Maybe that's what I'll do. I'll, he's got a, He's got like decent win equity. I think he's like 50 to one to win or something like that. That's not yeah, bad. So I think, and I think I'll be fairly off the, the radar. I mean, you're, you're going outside of the top 10 names in the pool and, um, I think that'll end up being a fairly off the radar move that gets low ownership if you if you want to make a charge. There we go. We're going we're going juiced this week. Cool. Yeah. So we'll be back later this week with our first first look at the Masters. We'll be talking Masters betting, course preview, kind of field breakdown, uh, and next week a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. There we go. Uh, come back. Be excited for the Masters and. Uh, you know, hopefully we will be looking at Luke List, a PGA Tour winner at uh, this time next week. <laughs>